the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Phone number here is 602-508-0960. That's 602-5080-960. The first Monday in October is always the start of the new Supreme Court session or term. And I was thinking about that in the context of Tina's call yesterday about the movie Beckett, Peter O'Toole, which I saw last night. Great movie about what one's duty and conscience must dictate. At the end of the day, you know what it boils down to? In essence, the rule of law and norms and civility based on reliable and oath-sworn rules and standards. This is the marker that delineates the distance between civil society and dictatorship, the absence of arbitrary rules or enforcements or orders versus Reliable and universal, or at least universally applicable rules, enforcements, and standards. You get this in another movie I was confusing it with, A Man for All Seasons. It's easy to confuse with Beckett, but it took place hundreds of years later. There, famously in A Man for All Seasons, Thomas More tells William Roper about, teaches about civil liberties. Roper is making the case that some laws against some people do not or should not be enforced. In fact, that he'd cut down the laws to go after some people, including the devil. And Thomas More responds, And when that last law was down and the devil turned round on you, where would you hide, Roper, the laws all being flat? This country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast, man's laws, not God's. And if you cut them down and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? Yes, I'd give the devil the benefit of the law for my own safety's sake. I remember first seeing that quote as an epigraph to a book on the Constitution and Civil Liberties was when I was in my sophomore year in college. And it dawned on me only recently there's an important word to think about, a word I've been thinking a lot about lately, and that word is arbitrary. It's a fantastic word. Here's the etymology. Deciding by one's own discretion, depending on one's own on one uh, one's own judgment. From Latin, arbitrarius or arbitration, hence depending on the will or uncertain, from arbiter. The meaning in English gradually descended to capricious, ungoverned by reason or rule, despotic. The reason it's been on my mind a bunch of late is because I've been quoting a bunch of late, a, li- a line from Thurgood Marshall's Supreme Court brief in the Brown versus Board of Education case. That line is that distinctions by race are so arbitrary and invidious that a state bound to defend the equal protection of the laws must not invoke them in any sphere. Arbitrary. It means whoever has the power decides what is right or what is to be followed or enforced, what to condemn and what to venerate. 
This is Thrasymachus's definition of justice in Plato's Republic that Socrates elicits and abhors. Justice being the power of the strongest person. Might makes right. It's the same discussion between Humpty Dumpty and Alice and Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. As Humpty Dumpty tells Alice, when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. Alice says, the question is whether you can make words mean so many different things. And Humpty Dumpty says, the question is, who is to be master? That is all. And of course, we understood, as Socrates or Plato understood, all this very differently. Plato's student, Aristotle, he understood it differently, too. Their postulate was that right makes might and that there was a reliable or universal standard of right and wrong that does not depend on a majoritarian supremacy or mere power, tyranny of the majority, you may have heard it called. You can have a confederacy of dunces. You can have a tyranny of the majority. You can have majorities doing wrong things. You can have two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. You can have a wolf defining liberty as his right to eat a sheep and a sheep defining liberty as his right to live free of being devoured. And if you have reason, the ability to reason, as Aristotle taught, was the distinguishing characteristic between human and animal, you can know that the liberty to kill at will for mere appetite arbitrarily is a corrupt meaning of liberty and that an innocent right to life, let us say, trumps the appetite of a beast in the quest for justice or the quest for liberty or freedom. Constraining the appetite is no curb on liberty if it, again, is counterpoised against, say, the right for the innocent to live unharmed. Abraham Lincoln taught all this, of course, and gave us the line that right makes might, not the other way around. We see all kinds of places where this exists. Of course, you see it in the abortion debate. Without getting into that right now, though happy to do so, think of the United Nations, which also opened its session just in the past month. Just because Cuba or China is on the Human Rights Commission and there are a majority of countries that back such a thing does not mean it is right or that their definition of human rights is the same as ours. And one must be correct and one must be errant. So when an organization like, say, Amnesty International speaks of arbitrary arrests in China or Cuba or Iran or North Korea, we know what that means, and our consciences are supposed to be shocked. You let this go on for too long, and our consciences become dulled, inured, numb. We get used to violations of universal truths, laws, and norms, and then chaos ensues. You can see this right here as well, which is why I've long said that if there is one agreed upon and animating spirit in America, it is the notion of fairness. Not justice always, not truth always, but fairness. It's one of those things even three- and four-year-olds comprehend. In fact, it's one of the first phrases young children will shout. That's not fair. Bill's nodding his head. They get it nearly instinctively, children do. Atop the Supreme Court are etched the words, equal justice under law. The Greeks had a phrase for that, isonomia. Pericles, in his famous oration, spoke of isonomia, saying, quote, if we look to the laws, they afford equal justice to all in their private differences. So 
When Thurgood Marshall was speaking of the arbitrary application of the laws, it meant something serious. It meant, in his rendering, that treating the same thing differently based on an artificial or capricious analysis or judgment was evil. In his case, the same thing being treated differently was or were human beings, man. That thing Aristotle taught was different from the animals and, as our Declaration of Independence imparts, different from God or gods. Psalm 8 tells us God made man a little lower than the angels, and James Madison put it that if men were angels, we would not need laws. And so in Marshall's rendering, humans being all equally human because they are human, lower than God, higher than animal, they all should have equal rights and in turn be treated equally equally in their lowness in their lowness bef- be- 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 before God and equally in their highness above animals and not unequally based on some artificial or capricious or here it is arbitrary characteristic in this case race and that was the entire point of civil rights laws they all should be upheld equally against all irrespective of anything other than we are human and naturally endowed with those rights. It is only fair after all, right? And the violation of this, it seems to me, is what is so very much at play in both the Supreme Court this term and our politics everywhere culminating this November. Will black and white and Jewish and Asian and Catholic and Protestant as well as Republican and Democrat all get to abide by and play by the same rules? Will the same laws apply to all of them? Will the same privileges and immunities, will the same rights? Will our society return to a place where power does not dictate right? Will our society return to a place where one favored group at a given moment will not get a benefit that a disfavored group at a given moment cannot access? We see this in politics all the time when it comes to party affiliation, don't we? If you're a Clinton You can arbitrarily decide to lie in a sworn deposition in a civil rights case, even when you're the defendant. If you're not a Clinton, you cannot. If you are a Clinton, you can destroy or conceal evidence in an investigation. If you are a Trump, you cannot. If you are a Stacey Abrams, you can complain that the election you lost was tampered with and unfair. If you are a Trump, you cannot. If you are a Democrat, you can stand on the floor of the House of Representatives and denounce the 2000 election unfair and Al Gore the legitimately elected president. If you are a a Republican, you cannot make that same case years later. If you are a Democrat, you can stand on the floor of the House of Representatives and attempt to deny counting the electors from Ohio in 2004. If you are a Republican, you cannot do that in 2021. You take the point. And it now comes to us and the Supreme Court again with race preferences. The very arbitrary thing, judging based on a crude characteristic of accident or chance that Thurgood Marshall and after him Martin Luther King called evil, invidious, and arbitrary. I'd like to give the last word here to a philosophy professor, Carl Cohen. In a fair society, members of different races are not treated differently some more generously and others less, because of their race. Where the opportunity to compete is open equally to all, skin color is simply not relevant. Equal treatment of the races is an absolute demand of justice. Therefore, we ought not tolerate any system in which some are advantaged because of their race. 
unequal treatment in the name of affirmative action cannot be morally defended. However honorable the objective, the unequal treatment of the races must be condemned. This is where we are. Unhappily, we have recently come to name some departures from justice as affirmative action. Today, in common parlance, affirmative action denotes some set of policies or programs that give some racial groups preferences. Such policies turn justice upside down. It is not equal justice under law when some races are preferred over others. Well, say the defenders of this use of the term affirmative action, this departure from the demand for racially equal treatment is required for the sake of fairness. The system, they remind us, has long been unfair to minorities. So reverse unfairness is, therefore, to them, justifiable now. It is not. Past injustice in one sphere cannot justify present injustice in another. There is indeed a continuing demand that the opportunity to compete be genuinely equal. In university admission, as in every sphere, minority members must not suffer disadvantage. Right. But in the competition for admission to American universities today, or in hiring, or in promotions, that demand is met. Racial minorities are no longer disadvantaged. In this context and others like it, affirmative action taken here to mean giving preference to members of some racial group previously disadvantaged, is pervasive. Such policies are simply wrong, I believe, legally, but also morally. Affirmative action may have honorable roots and honorable goals, but the term has become sadly the name or synonymous with injustice and has so much of our law in the hands of so many Humpty Dumpties. I'm just now putting mine of Vladimir Lenin's phrase that you have to break a few eggs to get an omelet, to which we say a lot of eggs have been broken, and still we ask, where's that damn omelet? I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are worried about stock market volatility, I um, want you to check out an investment opportunity uh, that our friends at Y-Refi are offering. It's an investment opportunity in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return that doesn't correlate to the stock market. Y-Refi is offering an investment in a secure, collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. And your investment can be in a trust, IRA, just as much as it can be an individual or joint investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. You'll never get a sales pitch. They just like talking about what they do, and they let it speak for itself. Um, this ought to make you proud. Uh, the OPEC um, is turning down uh, the request from Joe Biden and this administration to open the spigots. Uh, CNN, a story here, inside the White House's failed effort to dissuade OPEC from cutting oil production to avoid a total disaster. The Biden administration launched a full-scale pressure campaign in a last-ditch effort to dissuade Middle Eastern allies from dramatically cutting oil production, according to multiple sources. 
familiar with the matter. Maybe, maybe considering them allies and not trying to support their enemies would have been a good step. It was only three months ago, just three months ago, when Joe Biden went to Saudi Arabia, proudly hat in hand. I say sarcastically when I use the proudly part, just so diminishing going hat in hand to the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, on a trip that was uh, driven in part by a desire to convince Saudi Arabia, uh, the really de facto leader of OPEC, to increase oil production, which would help bring down the then skyrocketing gasoline prices. Um, They're not doing it. They're not listening to him. They're not afraid of Joe Biden. They don't care about Joe Biden. Do you think that this is what you would have expected from the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee? Do you think this is what you expected or would have expected when you elected Joe Biden to heal not only the nation, but also to be a better presence of the United States on the world stage, a better representation of the United States on the world stage? And really a big question, a much bigger question. And I don't care what party you are. You really know the answer. Deep down, you know the answer to this question. Do you think they would have done this with Donald Trump? Do you think they would have done this with Donald Trump? In many respects, no. In all respects, decisively because of Donald Trump's policies of making sure they knew, our allies knew that they were our allies, in part because of the policies Uh, that led to peace in the Middle East between Israel and all these Arab countries, in part because Donald Trump was not convinced that the lead sponsor of terror in the world, Iran, should be getting billions and billions, tens and hundreds now of billions of dollars from the White House, from an administration's decision to release sanctions against them because they're such good actors when Saudi Arabia is terrified of them. Of course, this wouldn't have happened on Donald Trump's watch. But then again, the energy crisis wouldn't have happened on Donald Trump's watch because he didn't stop the flow of domestic production of energy here in the United States. He opened it up. You want to talk about $4 gas prices? I'm going to tell you something. I haven't seen a $4 gas price in the last three weeks. It's back up to five, five something. Bill, you're nodding with me. You saw it four for about a minute, didn't you? You saw it went down to four. Well, when we say it went down to four, it went down to four only after being up over five and six. In California, it's seven. In Phoenix, at least here in Phoenix, I don't know the rest of Arizona, I can't find it below five. When Trump was president... It was under three. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Oh, he decorates every life he touches. He's that good of a man. He really is. I know him well. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. Thank you for doing so, John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder Grand Canyon Planning Associates, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. This is his website, also the host of his own radio show every Saturday morning, The Word on Wealth, right here on 960 The Patriot. How are you this Wednesday, John? Fantastic. Now, I don't look like Kenny Rogers, but no, uh, maybe I can no. sound like him. No, I probably can't you even sing like him You don't look like him, but you're a fine-looking man, <laughs> sir. You are a handsome man, oh, irrespective you. of that. Uh, you're not a gambler. You're uh, not a gambler. Not a gambler. No. Um, but the stock market today, man, mm. all red um, from what I'm seeing. Uh, uh, not a great day. And I'm, I'm wondering on a few things. I, there was a quote I saw. 
Mark Hackett, Chief Investment Research at Nationwide, he says, few are convinced that the recent move on Treasury holdings is more than a bear market rally with skepticism over the durability. I don't mean to conflate uh, investment portfolios mm-hmm. or anything like that, but this notion of a bear market rally and skepticism over durability, is that generally true of the economy itself right now, or is it just one man's opinion about one, one area of investment I just I thought that was an interesting phrase, a bear market rally with skepticism over durability. Well, I mean, I think we all could, you know, when we see markets such as we're seeing today, obviously things are very uh, dislocated. We're seeing a lot of challenges uh, in just about every area of, of the economy. And what we're finding out is, is that. Uh, when these types of things happen, volatility is here, and we never really can know when that bottom has hit. Yeah. Now, yesterday was a good day, and the day before, right. the, as we talked about how yeah. good it was. Yeah. And in reality, yes, the markets closed negative today, but I would say this, that they yeah. were down big early yeah, in the so, day. Yeah. And they rallied they all rallied. the way back and closed down just a few points, okay. just a fraction. Okay. So in reality, to me, I thought today was a very good day for the market. They held up very good, considering the last two strong days of of uh you know, uh, increases in stock prices. So I think it was a really good day for the market, but that doesn't mean that this still could be a bear market rally, meaning that we may see stocks again fall lower from here. That's very possible. There's still a lot of uncertainty out there, and there's still a number of, uh, you know, global issues that we're faced with, not just uh, local issues here domestically, but when we have those issues with Ukraine and Russia, when we've got China out there, we've got uh, North Korea, um, and you know, OPEC our, our friends, our friends, right? our friends at North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Who are, our friends. At, <laughs> yes, right. Our friends in North Korea. Good right. call. Yeah. Yes. So there are a lot of things happening around the world now locally here. And when I say local, I mean domestic. Yeah. Uh, we still are the strongest country, and you know there there is some issues with the strong dollar that we're we're, we're seeing right now. And I know there was a uh, an article here that. Oh uh, yeah. You had uh, yeah, Andy Pudster. Uh, Pudster. I, I've always liked him because I thought he was smart and could explain things like you uh, that even I can understand. Mm-hmm. He's uh, former head of a big restaurant chain, CKE, yeah. which is Carl's Jr. and, and a few others. Um, he he says, John, that really the recipe is quite simple: cut taxes and end regulations. It's a formula, or reduce regulations and it's, stop spending. And stop spending. It's a formula that has worked time and time again. We saw the rally when Reagan did it. We saw the rally when Trump did it. Yes. Is it that simple? Well, I don't know if it's quite that simple. Broad strokes, maybe. But probably, yes. What I would say is, is of course, during uh, the pandemic, uh, President Trump had to spend money because we shut the world down, right? right? The economy down. Uh, But then coming out of that, a lot of that money was never spent and never allocated. But what happened when when the current administration came in? They passed the 1.9 trillion spending bill. And then they passed another infrastructure bill, right, of $1.1 trillion. There was another $3 trillion of spending that probably didn't need to happen, as mm-hmm. we know. Mm-hmm. And those things are not good for the economy. But here's the interesting thought. I was thinking about this as I was reading this article, yeah. Seth, is, is that if we as individuals are being proactive and trying to do the best we can with our own finances, what do we do if we had a mortgage and interest rates yeah. were falling? Right. We refinanced our debt. Right. Well, you know what? When interest rates were down to that zero, the government was able to do the same thing. They could have lent that money out in the bonds, selling the bonds, rather than buying all those bonds back the way they did. They certainly could have limited that buyback. They could have started paying off their own debt at zero interest rate. It would have been such a better 
uh, scenario for the economy right now, we would have had a much smaller national debt, which is really, really where we need to be, especially during periods of time like this when we may need to spend our way out of some of these challenges it's, that we're it facing. It seems with. like so much common sense to me, but I, you know, it that's does, not in the mainstream anymore, is yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it's that's not the Washington yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it is your way, and I love you for it, John. Well, thank you. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finrin Sipikin, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you, John. Bye-bye. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies I take every single day. One daily dose gives you a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. Pure, potent plant power and all the good stuff. Really good fruits and vegetables. Carrots and broccoli and cauliflower and cayenne pepper and garlic to tomatoes and papayas and carrots and just fantastic product. Fantastic. Uh, I t- I've been taking it for three years, and the funny thing about it is I used to get sick several times a year whenever the seasons changed, like right about now. Uh, since taking Balance of Nature, I just haven't. You're surging that great stuff into your body, and I don't think it'll take you weeks to notice that there's a difference. With that surging, a powerful, potent fruit and veggie into your system, I think you'll know it within about two days, if not even Sooner, you can access the fruits and veggies of Balance of Nature, 100% natural, at balanceofnature.com. Just make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Well, I see military recruitment, particularly in the Army, is off by a lot. 25% in the Army right now. Uh, There was a segment earlier today on uh, television I was seeing, a lot of different reasons for this. Some of it having to do with the wokeness of the military. It's not the option. A lot of people used to think it was. You heard us talking about uh, what was going on at the Air Force Academy uh, the other day. I can go back into it in a moment. Uh, looks like there's this interesting story, too. Another reason to vote Republican. Republicans will look to clean up wokeness in the U.S. military if they are able to regain the majority in Congress. Let me let me just say a word about this. I was talking to my friend Jim about this the other day. There are these articles coming out now, as well as campaign ads on TV against uh, Blake Masters, candidate, Republican candidate for Senate, taking some of his words criticizing uh, the military hierarchy uh, for being out of touch, for being lame, quite frankly. And they're taking it out of context because he's not saying anything differently than we've been talking about here. I don't know, Bill, how long have I had this show? I've been talking about this on radio since at least uh, the Fort Hood uh, killing uh, and the George Casey uh, statements after he was the chief of staff of the U.S. Army at the time, who was just happy to slather and blather about wokeness being more important, uh, diversity, racial diversity being more important than troops' lives. That was uh, what? Uh, when, when was for 2009? Um, look, I've been talking about it then for at least 10 years. Blake Masters is saying the same thing. The officer class, the general class, the leadership of the U.S. military is problematic. They sound more like a Harvard sociology or philosophy department than they do uh, what we used to think of as the um, uh, the hard America of West Point or the Naval Academy in Annapolis or the Air Force Academy in Colorado. It just or 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 Quantico. It just it's not the same when you have chiefs of staff of the army 
saying that diversity is more important. And we're talking racial diversity, not intellectual or any other kind. When you hear the, Je- the chief of staff of the Army saying diversity is more important than force protect- protection or the lives of your troops, or when you have the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, saying he reads Marx and Lenin to better understand America, um, you have a problem. You have a real problem. You have misprioritized the purpose of the United States military. You've misprioritized the purpose of a lot of things when you start thinking and talking that way. But certainly you would have thought it wouldn't have existed in the military. That's all Blake Masters is talking about. When you see these ads from Mark Kelly or Democratic organizations or columnists saying that Blake Masters is anti-military or speaks against the military or doesn't like the military, it's baloney. He's saying the same thing I am, that the military in its leadership ranks has a problem. Because the military officer class, the general class, they do what the commander-in-chief wants. They fit the temperature of the climate of the administration. You think of these things as a school. You think of it as the principal setting the tone and temperament and temperature of the school. And the teachers and the administrators, they all kind of apply and play to that. If you're the governor, you can think of it the same way with the administration and how you apply for grants and things like that. That's what's going on in the U.S. military today. It has become a woke nightmare. I am glad Republicans are looking to clean it up. I am glad Blake Masters is speaking about it, and he's not running away from it. It's just that they overwhelmingly think they have a talking point. And isn't it fun and funny to suddenly watch those who used to put up bumper stickers on their cars saying it'll be a great day? And the United States military needs to have a bake sale and uh, schools get all the funding that they need because schools do have all the funding they need. I don't know if the military has all the funding it needs. David Schweikert says, yes, for example, it just needs to spend it better. There's an awful lot of bloat and an awful lot of bureaucracy and an awful lot of gamesmanship. I believe that intuitively. I'm sure that's also the case. But it's also led by a politically correct ethos, an indoctrination ethos, an ethos of Harvard sociology. Soft America in way too many places has taken over hard America. Again, I'm glad Republicans are taking it up. Jim Banks, member of the House Armed Services Committee, said yesterday, quote, I think it's one of our very top priorities to clean up the mess the administration has made with the excessive and dangerous COVID mandates on our troops at a time when we have historically low Recruitment. Republicans in Congress have frequently criticized the Biden administration's handling of the nation's armed forces, including COVID-19 vaccine mandates that have threatened to kick service members out of the military for not receiving the jab and mandatory diversity training that has been compared to critical race theory initiatives. It doesn't need to be compared to CRT initiatives. It is CRT. Air Force Academy cadets right now, right now, must take a training class that includes a slide presentation titled Diversity and Inclusion. What it is, why we care, what we can do. The diversity pitch not only instructs cadets that they should include all genders when they speak among themselves, it tells them they can't use terms like mom and dad. Why? You guessed it. I'm reading from uh, right here. Uh, this is a great column by, oh, yeah, great, Michael Reagan. Haven't heard from him in a while. The diversity pitch doesn't only instruct cadets that they should include all genders and refuse to use ter- drop terms like mom and dad. The reason is some cadets might be made to feel uncomfortable or sad because they do not have a mom or dad, or their moms or dads might not fit the traditional definitions 
of moms are or, and dads. Boy, I was thinking of this just the other day, that 70s song from the Marlo Thomas and Friends album, Free to Be You and Me. Almost every kid in a somewhat liberal household would have been exposed to that album, Free to Be You and Me, circa mm, 1974. Boy, there's not a song in there. It's about empowering women, and it's about women's rights, and it was funded by the Miss Foundation, the MS Foundation, which was Gloria Steinem's group. And, well, you know what? Just stay with us. We'll have a little fun when we come back, and you can tell me if you think this album would, of Marlo Thomas's, still be able to be played today. We'll play it here. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is what the woke world has done to us. It's destroyed the woke of the previous generation. <laughs> it's destroyed the progressive ethos of, in this case, feminism. As I was mentioning in the back in in the last segment, um, if you grew up, I don't know, in any kind of center left or center liberal household, there's no doubt you would have had the "Free to Be You and Me" album, Marlo Thomas and Friends. It had a great cast of characters. They sing duets about females and women empowerment and all the rest. Uh, working off memory, it would have been. People like uh, Mel Brooks was on there, Alan Alda, Rosie Greer, that song of Rosie Greer's It's All Right to Cry, uh, Carol Channing. And it was all about women's empowerment. And Parents Are People. It was a, du- it was a duet with Harry Belafonte and Marlo Thomas. Bill, you, did you find it? Were you able to find it? It's not hard to find. It was pop- Play the beginning of this for a moment, would you? Mommies are people. Well, you can't do that anymore. When mommies were little, they used to be girls like some of you, but then they grew, and now mommies are women. (laughs) Go ahead. But then they grew, and now mommies are women. Women with children. Now, Now, I'm going to guess my producer Bill is sweating a cold sweat because he's gonna fear that Seth will say, let's add that to the bumper. We won't do it, Bill. We won't do it. You can wipe the sweat from your brow. But you take the point. You can't do that anymore. What we grew up on to learn feminism, it's really funny. And then you get Harry Belafonte a little later chiming in. Uh, after after Marlo Thomas sings, Mommy can be almost anything they want to be, you have him saying, well, they can't be grandfathers or daddies. Daddies are people, people with children. When daddies were little, they used to be boys. Like some of you, but then they grew, and now daddies are men, men with children. You can't do this anymore, right? If you want to go out with uh, with Harry Belafonte, now we, we have a traditional. We won't do it. We won't plague you with this any further. But you take my point. So, yes, when the Air Force is saying you can't use phrases like mom and dad, um, this is why. It will be offensive or uncomfortable to people. Um, some families are headed by single parents, grandparents, foster parents, two moms, two dads. Some are caregivers and some aren't traditional moms or dads as we traditionally understand them, says the presentation of the Air Force cadets. Is it any wonder why recruitment is off? The U.S. military just ain't what people think of as the U.S. military anymore. If you don't get into Harvard, you can go to U.S. military, get the same indoctrination. That's what Blake Masters is talking about, and he's right to do so. And so is the Republican Party for going after this woke 
military. It's not what militaries are built for. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.